Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast. A very happy Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about the Italian giants, European legends, uh, four nil losers, Juventus. So here to join me, as always, I have uh, my trusty co-host, Sam and Andres. So, Sam... How do you feel, man? 4-0? Easy Tuesday? It, it feels like we played the, against the Barnley of Italy. I mean, the way that they packed the box and they defended with with all 10 men, that was insane. <laughs> but 4-0 win, I think Zach predicted uh, 1-0 win. I predicted 3. Andreas predicted 2. We were all yeah, very confident cool. going into it. We didn't predict 4-0, but... Well, we, we with when we were up one nil, it it seemed like okay we needed to win you know we needed stuff to go our way in order to win the group but this win the four nil win just like pretty much guarantees it. Uh, but for now, we're top of the group, 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 top of the group. Hold on, let's get this shit. Let's get this shit. Let's get this shit. Oh. Oh, I forgot. Normally, I, I sing the Champions League anthem, too. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, I'm getting my bits confused. <laughs> we need to stop winning so we can stop confusing song. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll adjust. You can keep on winning, Chelsea. Andres, you got your mug. You, you got your, uh, your, your little coffee mug from uh, my Premier League mornings. Why don't yes. you tell the story about that? Shout out to Premier League in the USA. Their Twitter account did a uh, sweepstakes, whatever you want to call it. It was one of those things where, like, they took somebody took a picture and the soccer ball just happens to be covering the player's face. And it was obviously one of our goal scorers today, Trevor Chalaba. And so I commented Trevor Chalaba real quick. And, like, maybe three days later, they messaged me, like, hey, congratulations, you won. And I was like, oh, okay. I never win these things. And sure enough, got myself a nice mug for my Saturday and Sunday mornings and a bunch of really cool Premier League decals. One of the stickers already made its way to my Yeti cup. So I'm a happy camper in terms of the sweepstakes thingy. That's awesome. Hey, I, I recently won uh, some Twitter sweepstakes too. I got $100 worth of Bitcoin from Odell Beckham Jr. Thank you for wow. that. And I got $20 today from uh, Lil Nas X. So thank what? you to both of them. Yeah, I just I, I replied to <laughs> they ran a promo with Cash App, and uh, I responded to them, and they and I I got it paid out by both what? of them. Yeah, That's I know. directly from their accounts. <laughs> yeah, like on my Cash App, it says Odell Beckham Jr. Then or paid me hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. And then Ooh. the other one, Lil Nas X, only sent me twenty dollars cash. I mean that's cool though too. I'll take it. I'd rather get a hundred bucks in Bitcoin than a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. For sure. That's my that's my first uh, Bitcoin that I've ever owned. So. Really. Yeah, Bitcoin to the moon, baby. Let's go. I'm all in. Mm. Um, all right, let's jump into the match. Four nil win, uh, at home. Running through the starting lineup, Mendy in goal. Thiago Silva, Trevo Chalaba, and Rudy in the back line. Uh, wing backs of Ben Chilwell, prayers, prayers to Ben Chilwell, and Reese James. Uh, midfield of Jorgolo, prayer to N'Golo Conte. And a front three of Cho, Ziesch, and Pulis Striker. Pulis Striker, back into it. Um, Got your wish. Yeah. Didn't really pan out the way I expected it, but hey, I got it. Um, let's start off with the Academy boys. Three of the four goal scorers, straight out of Cobham, Cho, Reese James, and Trevo Chalaba. We'll start off with Cho. He answered Andreas's call. He says you need to get on the score sheet. And what did he do? He got on the score sheet. Then that goal came off of him. An amazing, beautiful run, uh, just like the, pa the the passing leading up to it, and then the nice play from RLC to set it up. Beautiful, 
Um, but back to Cho, the key he had one key pass, 89% pass accuracy. He spun Quadrado over and over again on the left-hand side. Uh, drew a, an early yellow card from him as well. Frustration, I think that was a little bit of. Um, Cho's making it real hard now for Tuchel to drop him. Does he stay in, Andreas? I'll start off with you because uh, you were the most critical of Cho last episode. Do you think he stays in with Timo, Pulisic, and Rom back in the fold? Oh, well, Lukaku, we're not sure when he comes back, but hopefully right. it's, it's next next match. Um, I think as of right now, he does. I think he, because he's started now seven games straight, I think he's got the the best understanding and... I think that alongside, spoiler, we will be talking about Chilwell's injury. I think that we need to have the players that are most comfortable in the system continue to play. And and yeah, I mean, he he had more of a bite to him in terms of what he was trying to do around the box today, which is what I was asking for. And yeah, I think as of right now, you have to play Cho at the left side. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to not make that case. While I was watching this game, I kept thinking to myself, man, you know, we know Pulisic came into this match in form. Obviously, he's playing out of position, but it's making it chose making it really hard for him to kind of regain that left-hand side. So I'm happy for him, dude. It was a good performance. It was a confident performance. I thought, you know, in the first 15, 20 minutes, not just Cho, but I think the whole team uh replicated the first 15 or 20 minutes of that Leicester match just in terms of the energy and the pressing and Cho was at the forefront of that um a really I, th I think it was important for him this is probably his most important match of the season um you know he gets his goal which I think will do him wonders in terms of confidence there was a couple other times in this match where you know even in our group chat we were a little frustrated taking one touch too many or a heavy touch right in front of goal right about right before he's going to take the shot um it would have been frustrating on the day if he didn't get his goal, but I'm glad he did. Mm -hmm. You know, granted, it was a tap in. You have to arrive in the box. You have to make sure you're on side. Cho did both of those things, so you got to credit him. They all count the same. I think for him and also Timo, who got on the score sheet today, um, it's it's just going to do wonders for their confidence. And I think it's it, it's a it's a benefit to the whole team. Now with Chilwell out, um, we could possibly be seeing Cho return to a wing back position if need be. Um, Fixtures are going to come thick and heavy, so if he is out for the long term, I do expect you know Alonso and Aspi to rotate on the left as, as a left-sided uh, wingbacks, and then maybe Cho and Reese um, to rotate as the right-sided wingbacks. Maybe Cho coming in every now and then when Reese gets tired. But overall, is a good performance, man. It's something he can definitely build on. Um, Tuchel has a lot of problems, but they're good problems. And I'll give credit to Cho. Um... For a couple of those chances that you know people thought that he should have scored, that back line uh, and uh, Weston McKinney did a really good job of pressing him uh, and blocking his shots. You know, like a lot of chances that should have gone in that got blocked, and, and Chesney as well um, saved a couple of his shots. So um, he was due. I, I wouldn't call that a tap in. He he struck the shit out of that ball with his left into the top right that was a nice shot i mean he could have he there was there was the opportunity for him to miss you know like he could have hit it at chesney and he didn't it was a perfectly struck ball um so i gotta give him credit on that i was really happy i was really happy by everyone's performance everyone looked so good but reese james another fucking goal for reese motherfucking james <laughs> this guy is on i mean he he had another you know the free kick amazing shot uh that chesney saved he had another shot from the right side saw pretty much the same exact spot that he scored from um that was just off target and then he put this one away i mean his touch you know when he when he receives the ball his first touch to get it at his feet phenomenal it like it this guy is not a wing back like he, I mean, or he does he doesn't know that he's a wing back? He's 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 an attacker, and he just he just this was the 16th goal scored by a Chelsea defender this year. So running through his stats real quick, three key passes, that goal, 87% pass accuracy, nine duels won, 
Uh, we got a question from Ron. Uh, we'll answer that, and then you can go a little bit more into uh, your overall uh, thoughts of Reese. Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme, asks, Reese is going to smash a ball through the net, isn't he? Huh, Zach? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think technically, when it comes to just striking the ball cleanly, I don't think it gets any better uh, than Reese James. I think he's our most informed player. That's no secret. Um, I actually thought both of our wingbacks were <laughs> probably our most informed players. But with Reese specifically, he just continues to have an impact on the game in the attacking sense. And it doesn't matter whether Tuchel wants him to make more vertical runs and get into the box or whether Tuchel wants him to play more of that inverted wingback role, which we've, we've seen a lot as of late. Reese is just phenomenal. I mean, he has absolutely everything. And, you know, we, we had that debate, or it wasn't even a debate. We all kind of agreed that Reese is the best, you know, fullback in England. But this really kind of staked his claim, man, because not only did he get a goal, but I believe it was on the build-up to Timo's goal. He absolutely bodied someone to win the ball back um, and find the open pass. So Reese isn't only good for goals and assists, um, but he's also good for bodying a fool every single match. He does that every game, at least once or twice. Um, the full package, man. He's just a complete two-way player, and we are so lucky to have him. I think the scary thing is his age. Because we haven't seen a, a, a fullback get this good this fast. Um, Andres, maybe you could kind of touch on that a little bit more. I mean, man, I, I alluded to it earlier in terms of, like, the best up-and-coming talent in England. And that was probably about six weeks ago now, four or six weeks ago. I, I think today form included reese james is the best right back in world football like yeah. bar none uh Cancelo's supposed to be a right back he's playing in the left back so i don't want to hear that argument trent sure trent's second in assists but that's trent doesn't do it both directions reese james is a monster right now and the fact that people think that oh he's just up there in the attack no he's just positioning himself well and he's reading the game well and that's what's getting him the chances to score and he's just really good at shooting i mean ron isn't far off i think reese had an almost identical shot that he didn't score earlier that could have been a, a great goal and i mean it's a great problem not a, i guess it, yeah our defenders scoring a lot of goals can be considered a great problem because it's only going to allow our attackers to get better looks because like we saw in the Cho buildup, Reese gets the ball in a very similar place where he scores from, immediately gets pressed, passes it to RLC, and then RLC magically finds Cho from there. But I, I don't even know what to talk about when it comes to Reese James because I'm just beyond impressed at this point. Has there ever been a right... Uh... Has there ever been a player for Chelsea since Hazard that kind of makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up whenever he gets the ball in and around the box, like Reese James does? Because I don't think we've had a player like that. And it's crazy that we're saying that about a fullback. But, guys, I mean, Sam, maybe you can, maybe you have a good take on this. I think Reese is probably our best finisher, if not second best finisher, behind Big Rom. I was going to say there's a player that makes the neck, the hair on the back of my neck stand up in the box. It's Timo Werner, but for a different reason because he can't ever put it away. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, technically speaking, the way he strikes the ball is, is like no other. Like no other player on our team right now. I mean, <clears throat> unless you, um, until Lukaku comes back and gets back into form, He's got to be the one. Hey, yeah. hey, another sec, another good shout, Trevor Chalaba. The way he took that goal, that mm -hmm. was that was that was a strike right there. I mean, it was only a matter Bullet. of time. It was only a matter of time he scored, and it was, and I think that goal was so so crucial because Juventus was playing for the nil nil 
you know, until they can get the counterattack and score one and then continue parking the bus. So once we scored that first goal, they had to actually, you know, push men forward. They allowed us a chance to score our second, our third, and then our fourth goal um, at the end with Timo Werner. But um, that, that goal was sick. Um, it was his third of the season. I saw this insane stat that Trevor Chalaba has scored more goals at uh, Stanford Bridge this season than any other player. It's which unbelievable. Is unbelievable. What a season this guy's having. <laughs> yeah. those He's had three goals all at Stanford Bridge. That's the most out of any player. Holy and, shit. And I'm pretty sure he won man of the match as well. This, well is, this is crazy. I, I, I was thinking about this earlier. This is two matches in a row where you could have given man of the match to any of the 11 players on the pitch, honestly. Yeah, agreed. Realistically, there's probably three or four guys in the game that actually get a shout, but, like, Trevor Chalo, did he, did he officially win it? Is it? I like, think he won, like, the UCL man of the match. Wow. I mean, you could have given it to Reese. You could have yeah. given it to Jorginho. My God, Jorginho was insane. I mean, there was a point, just to go off of Trevor for a second, um, but there was a point where N'Golo Conte was playing forward, and mm. and Jorginho was the only midfielder. He was literally <laughs> the only person in midfield, and he was bossing it up. Like I I can't remember how many uh, tackles he had, but his anticipation, like 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 him taking the ball away, isn't necessarily him, you know, like you know running up to a guy with the ball and taking it away from him. It's being in the right spot so that when that that guy receives yeah. the ball, he can take it away from him. And so, so Sam, to, to add to your point, it was five interceptions and eight recoveries. Unbelievable. I mean, he's he's so good at reading that second ball. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Sam, you were talking about him being the only midfielder. There was a specific point where it was only him, uh, Tiago Silva, and Trevor Chalaba behind the ball. <laughs> Like yeah. even Rudiger was ahead of Rudiger's yeah. like, fuck it, I'm going to play left wing for about 20 minutes. <laughs> I mean, during that spell, we had so much possession. Like, I know exactly what Psalm was talking about because yeah, the ball, it almost felt like a flat line of six players in front of Jorginho, and the ball would get cleared, get to Jorginho, and then push forward again. It was a Zs, 2 one Zs would drop off and play like that classic 10, and then Conte would take up the space Zs would leave on the right side. I noticed that too. For most of the first half, he was he was pretty much bombing forward. But back to back to Chalaba. Yeah. Um, we do need to talk about him. So I remember when I was talking about Malongsar and saying that I have no like he he makes me nervous. Like, you know, like, there's no there's no sense of comfort when he plays there. With Chalaba, it's the opposite. This guy gives me so much comfort. Like, I really have zero worry uh, about him making the wrong play, making the wrong read, making the wrong pass. Uh, he's really doing everything right. Um, and I think Tuchel agrees with me. He trusted Chalaba over Christensen and Dave in this match. Um... Andreas, do you think he's ahead of them currently for that right-sided center back role? Uh, I think I honestly think he might be slightly. Uh, I think obviously, obviously you play the guy that's in form. I also think that he probably gets a little preference because of his size. I mean, Dave is not the tallest center back, and we know that Trevo is also more athletic than Dave at this point in his career. But the one thing that I notice a lot from Trevo is that he's very progressive with his passing, and he's very sure of it. So I don't know if this stat is correct, but I'm just going to say, like, based on what I see, I think that Trevo progresses the ball forward more often than Aspie, which allows the team to, to transition quicker from defense to attack. So I think that's a big thing that you usually don't see in a young player. I remember reading a lot about how the difference, like a lot of the things that managers notice with young players is how many touches are they going to take on the ball before releasing it? And that's going to be a big tell if a, a young player can, you know, go from 
just making an FA Cup match to making a Premier League match because the difference in taking three touches versus six touches to do the same thing is allows the whole other team to get some, themselves set up defensively, and then it just could block a whole progression of the ball. So that's one thing I just noticed with Treble a lot. He's just very mature about how he handles when he has the ball and what he does with it. I think he's a lot more confident than Davis with the ball in the back. There was one point in this game where he chased down a run. Somebody was dribbling with the ball down the right-hand side. He took it from him. And normally, if Dave's in that position, he probably plays it back to Mendy and just recycles possession. Treble actually spun the guy and carried the ball forward about 10 or 15 yards, pushed our whole team up, and then progressed the ball. So I think he just gives us a little a, a completely different element than something that then a player like Dave would Dave would. I think Christensen, he's equally as comfortable on the ball, but he doesn't look for the ball over the top very often. He's he he looks for those short passes, those short connections. Um, but when it comes down to Trevo, I think I think he's he he's ahead of both of those guys for the right side. I think Christensen, to be fair to him, he's better in the middle, but you know he has a Brazilian John Terry in front of him. Uh, so, you know. I'm happy for the kid. I think Andres, you you're right. You got to play the guy that's in form. And right now, with the team playing like this, play Chalaba as much as you can. The more experience, the better. If we win a league with Chalaba playing as the right sided center back, nobody would have saw that before the season started. Just imagine what that'll do for his whole career. Um, so, just like Cho, just like Reese James, I'm excited for these kids, man. We've waited so long for Cobham to kind of come to fruition and. Oh man, are we bearing the fruits of that? Yeah, it's so great when, you know, we have the luxury of being able to buy, you know, all these players. And then in addition to that, we have all of these young talent coming in from, you know, our youth academy. That it, it's it's like a recipe for success for sustained success. And we're gonna be good for a long fucking time, guys. <laughs> we're gonna be cool. good for a while. You, you talked about a good that time to... Sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to say, uh, this is a good time to shout out uh, Marina Granovskaya, who won the award for Best Club Director in Europe, just saying. Well-deserved. Didn't know she did. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, so I'm talking about the, the transfer, like our academy and, and how that impacts things. I think it was somebody tweeted it yet recently. Um, and I kind of commented on it, Chelsea going into the next window. So the way f financial fair play works, it's a three-year cycle. And then it resets and you have to profit more than you um, more than you spend and blah, blah, blah. So going into this next summer, I think, or maybe it's next January, Chelsea can spend something like £240 million pounds without selling a single player. And still be within um, financial fair play. So yeah, two hundred and forty-one million pounds without any sales next transfer window, and they'll still be within financial fair play. Not saying that we're going to spend it, but the fact that you can actually go out and just get the players you want, even if the other team wants to be stingy, and you can just be like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll throw in twenty more million because you're being a pain in the ass, and but that's a player I want. They can do that because in a Champions League night, we're starting four players from Cobham. Yeah, and we get Connor Gallagher back next year as well. Remember Perhaps Billy Gilmore. Yeah, are Billy you saying Gilmore. if uh, are you saying if West Ham hold out, we can offer them more money? For Declan Rice. <laughs> and, Declan and then Rice. that would make and then that would add another Cobham problem yeah, to the starting I was about to say it that would, too. It would, but it would also uh it, it would also allow for us to actually play Conte once a week like he's supposed to. That's mm. that's what I was gonna say. I, I think and I know maybe we can talk about the injuries for a second because I mean Conte was healthy for one game. We yeah, got to yeah. enjoy full healthy Conte for one game and now we're back to when are we going to see Conte again? We we're, we don't have Kovacic healthy right now either. Um, uh, is I mean, you would think that now more than ever, Chelsea are weighing up and really going to test West Ham here because we can't go into a season. I, I mean, for
forgive me if I'm being pessimist or not, but I don't think we can go into next season with Conte being the only strong defensive-minded midfielder in this roster. West West Ham's in a top four battle right now. They're not going to sell him in in January. I'm not saying in January. I'm not saying January. I'm not. Oh, for next year. I'm talking next season. Yeah. I'm just saying, do Chelsea start uh, testing the waters and, and, you know, telling kind of like how we did with Ziyech and then we ended up signing him after the window, you know? Yeah. Are you really willing to do this? Like, he's not signing a new contract for a reason. And we got to see what West Ham's made of too during this January, December, January period where they're going to play a shit ton of games. And I mean, I know they're deeper than they've been probably ever, but I mean, injuries are going to come up. I'm sure they're going to drop some points. You know, there's a pot. If they fall out of that top four, if they don't play in Europe next season, they're going to have no choice but to sell Declan uh, Rice. So. Yeah, but they, I mean, they would have to fall a very long way down. I mean, United's in eighth or something. I mean, like yeah. they can still they can still get now even now with the Europa Confederate whatever that third tournament is called stupid ass tournament yeah I, <laughs> I don't know if if West Ham even with a massive drop in in form don't qualify for Europe so are, January are keep, is definitely out the window are you gonna keep a hundred million pound player on your squad I mean for he's, the European Confederation League or whatever the fuck it's called. I don't think that's the motivation. I think the motivation, much like what Aston Villa did it, with Grealish, is this guy, could, this guy could walk away for free and I get zero dollars or pennies, you know? Like, cash in while you can and start planning for your future without that player because, let's be real, whether it's next summer or the year after that, Declan Rice is not finishing his career at West Ham. Yeah. Hope you're right. <laughs> and I hope Zach's not right about the hundred million dollar price tag. <laughs> I mean, he's so, playing like it. I mean, we were we were freaking out about sixty seventy million. If he goes for if we have to buy him for a hundred million, fuck, it's a lot. But... Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about Hakeem Ziyech. I think it was an up and down match, but overall, it was arguably one of his best matches in a Chelsea shirt, not counting preseason. Um, he had the assist, three key passes, three tackles, one interception. Um, that was his second assist in two games. Um, we actually got a question from uh, Trail Wolf. He said, "Does Ziyech's two assists in two games change any opinion you may have? Sorry, change any opinion you may have had for him leaving in January?" Uh, Zach, what do you think? Um. Well, to just kind of answer his question first, I know Tuchel spoke on this, I believe it was last week, um, and he said, you know, Hakeem's doing well, and you know he has a lot of quality that he's going to add to the team, and he completely expects him to remain there through January, so I hope that's the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it was one of his better performances in a Chelsea shirt. You know, th- there's still a lot of work uh, that he needs to do just tactically and um you know, uh, systematically, I guess, but, but that'll come with time, uh, the more game time he gets. And I know he can be frustrating and I know he could be predictable as well, but you kind of, you can't deny the performance today. I mean, the energy, the pressing, uh, the influence on the match when we were in possession, it was, it was there to see. He was at the center of everything. Um, the stat that kind of stuck out to me the most and I'm going to pick on is, is the defensive stats. I mentioned the pressing before, um, he had three tackles and one interception from, you know, that quote-unquote inside 10 role, which is ridiculous for a player that's, you know, in an attacking position. He's, he was constantly harassing the back line. Um, and, you know, the good thing was when we'd win the ball back, he would drop in and he would be there to collect it, turn around, and then find another pass. Um, I noticed he was playing a little bit quicker today. It, it, it sort of seemed like he was mimicking the Mason Mount role. Um, and we saw him do it earlier this season. Um, I'm forgetting which game it was in, but you know that was a performance we commended and one of his better performances. Um, so just like this one, he did the same things. Uh, he did the same things very well, um, winning the ball back, being an influence in the attack. It's just encouraging overall. Um, I think the main thing that, or the main takeaway, he's gonna have a role to play. Um, between now and end of the season for sure, but 
I think I'm still not convinced as a first choice. I think I think as an impact sub late in games, you can throw him on as a wild card. He does have that magical ability. Um, he's a good rotational player, but beyond that, I still haven't seen enough for me to say okay, he deserves a run up there with you know our best eleven. Um, I'm still here's how I view Ziyech, and it reminds me a lot of of how I viewed William. He's a great player, but is he going to do what he wants or what's best for the team? And today shows like how good of a performance and performer he can be when he's not just forcing 35-yard shots where he's looking. Because, again, he missed a lot of through balls, but the through balls he was looking for were at least like the right ones. And then, okay, he's got two assists. Well, for once, he was looking to pass instead of shooting, which has been the issue recently, where he seems to just want to do everything on his own. So my thing is, if, if you can get Ziyech to buy into what the team needs and let things come naturally, that's when I think Ziyech can eventually make his claim for, for, for more of a run of matches. I I don't know if maybe eventually he got too big of a head at Ajax and then he came over here thinking that that would translate and he would be the main man. But when Ajax was clicking and everything was going well for them, Ziyech wasn't trying to be this like player under a spotlight. You know, he was part of a machine. And so again, we're in a team with uh, defenders uh, that score 16 goals and that we don't need a, a, point of reference like Lukaku to still look fluid and that all comes from unselfishness in the team so for me that's the one big thing for Ziyech is it safe to say that um you know part of Tuchel's trust in Ziyech is the fact that when we do play him in big games he performs you know we, we remember the the super cup before he got injured obviously got that goal he was on fire prior to that um in that game specifically, but the FA Cup last season against Manchester City, he obviously came up huge in that game as well. Gets a start today, and I know it wasn't technically a must-win match, but I mean our mentality going in is we got to take all three points. We got to avenge our defeat that we that you know we got our asses kicked against. It. Oh, I definitely turn. thought this was must-win. Yeah, to win yeah, the yeah. group, so, it so, was a must-win. That's what I'm saying. I I I think you know just the importance of the match. The stage itself. Is he a big game player? I don't know. He still needs to prove it. Nobody's done at Ajax. I mean, his resume speaks for its, itself over yeah. there. This guy was winning player of the year left, right, and center. I think I think what Andreas said, um, it's like he said a couple things that I hadn't considered before, and I'm happy you said it. Um, one being how today we saw Hakim Ziyech play uh, in a manner that's best for the team and not necessarily best for him. And when he does that, he looks really good. And I personally was really frustrated with all of the, the through balls that he missed. I mean, he was off target on a lot of them, but I hadn't considered what you said, Andreas, that at least he was making the right balls, you know, which, you know, those two points go hand in hand. He, he, he's a smart player. When he's when he can set, push his ego aside, and buy into what the team needs, and Tuchel I think does a really good job of selling that, then yeah he's a big team he's a big game player for sure because he has the talent he has the skill, it's just a matter of implementing it fitting into the system because we are a system team you know we're definitely a system team, like I think that the players that we have obviously are very talented um overall but you know if you look at the rest of the teams in europe you could probably say that we're probably fifth sixth seventh most talented individually players but because of the system and what we, the way we play we're the best team in the world you know and it's because of the way that tuchel implements the system and the way that everyone buys into it and the way that they're dedicated to it we play like the best team in the world. So if Hakeem Ziyech can do that, you know, he could be 
the most talented player on her team buying into a system, then he's a big team. He's a big game player for sure. Um, so I wanted to quickly mention uh, Pulisic because I thought he was invisible uh, this match, and I was a little disappointed with the way he played. And I don't think that was necessarily his fault. It's you know he's he's going up some he's going up against some monsters in that in that back line um and you hear that andres huh what keep are, going tom i just want to make sure andres is listening what did andres say you didn't see, to you this didn't, part specifically you didn't see kai havertz out there today did you no 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 i i no. didn't i okay. wasn't comparing about kai havertz i i did reference playing a full 90 against big old center backs that don't have yellow cards and that what that would mean for Pulisic. Okay. Yeah. It's just, I mean, Chiellini and Delict are are no scrubs to be fair, but yeah, they, they were looking to defend and and it was tougher for Pulisic. Like you said, he was, he felt invisible. So I wanted you to finish your point really quick. No, that's what I was going to say. And I I wanted Andreas to like kind of, add on to that like the reason why he was invisible was because of who he was up against um but maybe maybe you got a point there as to he's best utilizing that position later into the match with you know tired center backs maybe one of them has a yellow card maybe all of them do (laughs) Hmm. uh but yeah zach what did you see from him uh, not not much. I mean, like Andres last week, I kind of mentioned as well. You know, it's easy to look good when you're running against a team that's playing very open. Uh, but for right from the get go, he was getting battered. So even when we did start to get the wheels moving, there was really no room for him to operate. They had, at one point, they had all eleven players in the box to defend a set piece. It just kind of tells you everything you need to know about the way they played this game. So, you know. This is the game, unfortunately, that a guy like Lukaku would be really useful in if things did get tough, because now you have somebody to contend those big-ass center backs. But, look, I'm not down on it at all. I don't think it's a concern whatsoever. Um, I just think he had to do what he had to do for the team. And, you know, he bit the bullet. Uh, And and again, like you mentioned, Sam, like no Kai Havertz. Yeah, I mean, again, like Kai hasn't done anything. Pulisic scored in 20 minutes you see, okay, maybe there's more to it. Um, and Lukaku trained, and apparently after the match, he was doing kind of drill, like uh, sprints with the other bench players, and he didn't look uncomfortable. He didn't look like he was, you know, experiencing any limping or anything. So we will have our striker back. And, and again, I think Pulisic, if he's going to start, you want to start him off of a set, off of, the middle, you know, whether it's on the right or the left. But again, if you're going to bring him against tired legs, against a team that's not going to sit back but actually chase after goals, it'll it'll be a totally different look because we talk about the Jorginho moment where he was the only midfielder. And when you don't have that reference point, you can't break that deep block. And so, again, those things kind of go hand in hand. Um, why it looked like we had six people lined up in front of Jorginho's because we were trying to find a way through, and and Pulisic unfortunately wasn't the answer today. Um, but yeah, it, it's a bit of a bummer. But again, Delict, Chiellini, they're told, hey, let's just get a draw, a nil-nil draw here at the bridge to keep the top spot. It, it was never going to be an easy day for him. All right. Well. M- most of the talk about this match has been positive so far, but there were a couple negatives. Uh, nothing as far as the players' performance, but the Conte and Chilwell injuries, um, you know, really terrible timing. I'd, last episode, Zach literally said it was so nice to have Conte back. I totally forgot, like, how important it was to have a guy like him for 90 minutes, like, just and for him to get hurt again in the next match uh it's it's heartbreaking he gets pulled in the 35th minute um what i thought was a hamstring injury ended up being a knee injury which is far more concerning um but 
we got a, we got a question from at not Willie B talking about the replacements. He says, I get the sense we play Jorginho and RLC come Sunday with Saul off the bench. We are diving deep into our reserves at this point. Yeah, I mean, Andreas mentioned earlier, no Mateo Kovacic. Um, we got Ross Barkley as well as, as a potential candidate to come off the bench, uh, which, you know, thank God we have this depth. But, um, you know, as, as to Willie's point, like, uh, is that going to affect us coming into Sunday, Zach? Um, missing Conte for that match might be a bit of an issue. I mean, you obviously want someone to chase Bruno Fernandez around the pitch. Um, well, this is a big match. I don't think Bruno's going to play. <laughs> no, here's and the thing. And if he does, he won't do anything. Yeah, right. he won't do shit. He'll get a penalty. Uh, it's concerning. You know, the last couple injuries with Conte, we all kind of conceded to the fact that, okay, at this point, he has a lot of mileage. He's on the wrong side of 30. You might want to wrap him up in bubble wrap for the rest of the season. The first time we got stuck in a situation where we had to play him two matches in a row, he gets hurt. Um, and this one's more concerning than anyone. And it's not necessarily a matter of how many games he's going to miss with this injury, but the fact that it's just a recurring thing at this stage in his career and the injuries are happening so close together is a worry. If he's not getting hurt, you know, every two or three matches playing for Chelsea, he's getting hurt on international duty. And it just feels like a kick in the nuts. Every time we get Conte back, he shows us how brilliant he is and he gets hurt. Um, I feel for him. I, I've never been more sad for a player because he's he he became this sort of injury prone coming off of his best year as a professional footballer. He got his his name thrown in for Ballon d'Or last season. People were talking about it, and for th that to happen this season, it's it's very unfortunate. I mean, I hope he could come back quickly. I know Tuchel said that it was a little twist, and it wasn't anything that they were too concerned about. It was more of a of a precaution than anything, but. From here on out, man, just play him against the top six in Champions League. I don't want to see him play against just anyone else. Week. Yeah, RLC has shown that he could pretty much play against anybody. Um, you know, Saul's coming back into his own. You know, he's looking a little bit more comfortable. We could even play Chalaba there when we need to sit on leads late in games against shitty teams. I mean, I've never just been so adamant on resting him and saving him only for the big games than I am now. Yeah, and and I think like that's why I was talking about alluding to the Rice thing. I mean, I'm not saying that Conte's completely finished. We saw what he did this weekend, but the the man is is no longer a complete Iron Man that can play 20 games in a row. That's just not happening right now. And the way he pushes his body and, and the way he runs for 90 minutes, it that's eventually going to catch up to you. Um, so again, you mentioned RLC being on form. I think Kovacic is about a week from coming back as well. That's uh, going to be huge. Yeah, I mean, people forget that Kovacic was statistically like the best center mid in the league before he got hurt mm -hmm. um, across the board, besides maybe goal goals. But he was assisting more. We talked about those long Cesc Fabregas-like passes that he was bringing into his game. Uh, we know what he does dribbling to to progress the ball as well. So, yeah, come come Sunday, unfortunately, Jorginho's going to have to play a third match in a row, which I don't think was uh, something that we were planning for. But luckily for us, he took a walk in the park today. Um, so, yeah, I I think the, the Conte thing's concerning. Um, I know you said this was more worrying, but the way – Tuchel spoke about it. I think the Chilwell injury yeah. um, is a little bit more of a concern. Too. And Sam, I know that's your guy. So heartbreaking. I mean, obviously, I'm heartbroken about the Conte one, but you know, Zach mentioned it earlier. Him and Reese James. I'm sorry, Chilwell and Reese James probably are two most informed players. Um. It did that did not look good. His leg was planted, the way his knee bent. 
Uh, Tuchel said post-match he's going to have scans tomorrow, and hopefully there's no structural damage, but I'm going to be, you know, so heartbroken if it's if it's a long-term injury. I'm praying that it's, like, you know, just a little sprain or, you know, something that I... And, and we're, we're lucky to have, you know, Marcus Alonso coming off the bench, but... Um, you know, so it's, it, he he can rest for as long as he needs to. We don't need to rush him back, but I'm praying that it's nothing like a like no tear, no st real structural damage because it, it that'll probably be his season um, if that's the case. Um, but speaking about the two of them, who needs to step up for these two respectively, Zach? Yeah, I kind of touched on it earlier. I think, you know, just rotation-wise, we're going to see Dave play exclusively at wing back. Um, for the foreseeable, Alonzo, obviously. You know, I said it before the before we hit the record button, but we're lucky enough to have one of the best left wing backs, backup left wing backs uh, around. You know, Alonzo should be starting for a team that plays a back three, let's just be honest. Um, so that is a luxury in that sense. I am seeing a tactical change or foreseeing a tactical change. You know, obviously when you have Alonzo or Dave out on the left, they both have different skill sets compared to Chilwell. They're not as comfortable on the ball. They don't have the range of passing. Alonzo has the end product, doesn't have the defending. Dave has a defending, doesn't have as much end product. So I, I do expect a switch. I think, you know, we're still going to see Reese James bomb, bomb forward. Um, but ideally, I think uh, I think Dave would be the right replacement in the big matches that way Reese bombs forward we could drop back into a back four not necessarily worry about you know the counter attack as much still have Reese going forward and being an influence on the game like we need um I think that might be a solution obviously you know Manchester United you don't need to worry too much about about defending as much so maybe you could play Alonso there they do have a clear weakness um you know they always play on the back foot they have no runners in that team so that would be a perfect game for Alonso to kind of step in. But just to kind of talk about Chilwell for a sec, Sam, you said, you know, we hope it's a sprain, we nothing serious. Obviously, I hope the same. Um, I think the main thing here is that he avoids a surgery. Uh, if he can avoid a surgery, that means he avoids a long recovery. Um, so I think I think either way, we're not going to see him for a little while. It just really looked awkward. He, you could tell the way he was walking off the pitch, not putting much weight on it. Um, so it is a concern and, you know, we're thinking about him and Conte, both of them, you know, I, I hope both of them could come back, but specifically for Chilwell, it, it just looked, didn't look good. Yeah, it was really concerning because, I mean, he, he, he's been so amazing and especially, you know, considering we got the big matchup against United next week, I mean, on, sorry, on Sunday, um, it's 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 really really just discouraging, like you said, Zach. The way he was walking off, I mean, it is a little bit um, encouraging that he was putting any weight at all on it. But it was it, I have no idea. I'm not a fucking doctor. I I can't I can't uh, what's the word uh, diagnose. diagnose. Yeah, I can't diagnose what's wrong with him. I mean, like Conte. You know the the most unfortunate part is that they're both in the form of their lives. Yeah, I think the announcer said Everyone that when is. Chilwell was walking off the pitch. You know, finally got into the England team. You know, mm -hmm. made that spot at Chelsea his own. It's just, it's unfortunate. All right, let's move on to some Twitter questions. So first one from Ron, another one. He says, "Dear Pod, Thiago Silva's goal line clearance from Morata's goal bound shot was." We can agree. One of the highlights of the match. Does the pod have any insight into Thiago's overall contribution to the Chelsea team? Um, Zach? I called him the Brazilian John Terry earlier in the podcast, and I don't think there's a bigger compliment I could give him. So I'm just going to kind of stick by that. Tells you everything you need to know about him. I mean, the, I, I didn't realize... And Ron, I don't mean this disrespectfully at all, but I didn't realize we had to explain it. I mean, the guy's just so calm and age is unimportant. Apart from the fact that this guy is just so experienced and 
other center backs would 100% stop running and, and not follow or cover for their keeper. Like, Thiago Silva is just so smart. So smart. And he's not the tallest center back. He's not the strongest center back. And he's not the fastest center back. But you rarely complain about any of those things when it comes to Thiago Silva. Wait, I need and... to clarify something. Sorry. This question wasn't from Ron. This was a Leonard Cohen question. I was about to say, it sounded like a De- Leonard oh. Cohen. <laughs> I know. I was Sorry, like, Leonard. When I read that part of then, does the pod have any insights into Thiago's overall contribution to the Chelsea team? I was like, this is not Ron. This is Leonard Cohen. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the blame is... for that. I wrote the script this week. Sorry, Leonard. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, get, I didn't even get to read it in my Leonard Cohen voice. I'm looking forward to your question next week, though. Yeah. Sorry, Andres. What were you saying? Um, basically, that Thiago Silva is just so good that the fact that he's not the tallest center back, the strongest center back, or the fastest center back is rarely ever mentioned because he's just so clever as to how he approaches the game. Um, and, I mean, yeah, that save was just unbelievable. I remember the, the commentators were basically announcing a Murata goal and he just out of nowhere clears that so well. What is a Murata goal? <laughs> what is that? I mean, he scored a couple for with, us. If it's with his head, <laughs> I'm, I could answer that, but I don't know. I only, I, I only remember Stoke. That's I it, remember huh? headers from Aspie. There was a yeah, season where yeah. Aspie led the, the defenders in assists because everything he put in the air, somehow Murata scored that. Hey, yeah. remember when we thought that was getting a lot of production from our defense (laughs) (laughs) little did we know we got little reese james and ben chilwell coming through um yeah i mean that moment was incredible it was scary it was very scary um because you know he he went to the net twisted his ankle but thank god he's okay um we already had enough casualties this match couldn't we lost i mean this this whole champions league campaign has been fucking terrible it's been very unforgiving with injuries i almost wish that we uh got eliminated in the group stages so we can focus on uh winning the premier league but hey what <laughs> just so we can bro we're gonna everyone's gonna be hurt by the round of 16 <laughs> i'd rather be champions of europe again uh, I, yeah. why not both yeah, you guys aren't hey, with, dreaming with a, big enough. With a team yeah. full of injuries, we're not winning anything, bro. That's my point. We got Marcus Alonso, homie. Time, time out, time out, time out. A team full of injuries is the best team in, in England right now. <laughs> and hold on, hold on. We're not a team full of injuries. Pulisic came back. Timo's back. Lukaku's okay, I'm back. speaking Ty's hypothetical, guys. I'm Opa speaking hypothetical. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I wasn't because at a point we didn't have like anybody healthy and we were still winning games. All right. No Lukaku, no Werner, no Pulisic. Conte was out for a while. Kovacic was out. We still won all we our did. games. Yeah, we did. We did. That's a good point. All right, let's go on to the next question. Uh, this is a first time question uh, from at Mungbean. I looked at his account. It looks like he just created it. Just to ask this question, it seems like. He's never tweeted before. That was his first tweet. Um, nice picture of Hezbollah as his uh, as his profile picture. Hezbollah as in the uh, the, the small Russian man, not the, uh, the, uh, the terrorist, terrorist organization. organization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Thank you for making also, that distinction. Yeah. <laughs> I, need, I, I needed you to. You needed to make it. <laughs> um, he asks, "Why do you la- why do you lads think RLC has been in such great form when he couldn't cut it at Fulham?" Uh, full disclosure: Mungbean is actually a friend of the pod and a Fulham fan, and he is really, really upset with how nice RLC looks. I mean, coming into the season, I had no hope for RLC because of how shit he looked last year. He honestly did nothing at Fulham, and I. Wa- like, I watched a lot of full matches last year. One, because of Amir, and two, because I wanted to see RLC play, and he looked terrible. He didn't do anything. And I don't know what the hell happened, but he came back, and he's back to... He's, he's actually more improved than he was before he left, before he got injured, I think. 
Oh man. He looks insane. He looks like Zidane. The way he the way he drives forward with the ball, he's able to shift it from right to left. For a big dude to move the way he does, even after a fucking Achilles tear and a knee injury, for him to still look like this. Oh man, I, you, you know, to be fair to RLC, we we talk a lot about Cho and Trevor Chalaba and Mount and Reese James and all of our other like academy products that are actually starting, but we do not talk about him enough. Um, he's been exceptional this season, and you know. Even with Conte going out, I said it before, I'm fully confident that RLC could pretty much step in against anybody. I mean, look what he stepped in against Juve, and and we got better somehow. So all credit to him. It just kind of – it's a testament to his work ethic and, you know, the confidence that Tuchel put in him as well. It can't be stated enough. Um, I think a big thing, is, and, and the more – I read about these things that Achilles injuries are not something that is quick to recover. Um, and I mean that like post a heel Achilles, like Zach is a Lakers fan. He can tell you how long it took Kobe to kind of feel comfortable again, as an example. I mean, Cho who probably was a little bit more lenient to, to getting him back on the ground because of his age versus Loftus cheek also took a while to get back into form when it came to the Achilles. And then the other thing that probably doesn't help um, as to what happened with RLC at Fulham is that he was mostly playing on the outside. And if this guy's playing when he gets a chance scared, in a position that's going to demand a lot of speed and agility, which the outside of the pitch does more so than the middle, you're, you're never going to let yourself kind of work your confidence up because you're mostly going to be afraid of injuring again. Mm-hmm. That, and along the fact that Fulham last year in the Premier League were complete crap, probably go hand in hand. But I think Tuchel did right by simplifying RLC's instructions and what he had to do when he came on earlier in the season he started playing kind of like deep in midfield just to get his touch back and then slowly has allowed him to play more forward with more freedom so i think it's just the fact that we were able to have patience with him i think that's a big factor here hey i mean to talk about achilles injuries credit to cho and rlc i mean i tore my achilles and i never got back into form but those guys somehow <laughs> did. So. What, what was form for you, Zach? <laughs> Whatever uh, junior year in high school was. So. Okay. Christ. Yeah, look at Kevin Durant. He tore his Achilles, and he's like putting up 30 points a game on like 60% shooting right now. So I think it's yep. uh, it all depends on the player. Depends yep. on the player. Um, all right. Man United preview. Man United, absolute shit show right now. <laughs> Can they redeem themselves? Finally sacking Old Gunner. I, I no longer have to say Old Gunner Solskjaer because I really don't know how to pronounce Solskjaer. And I, I think that's right, but I hate double-guessing myself. Thank God. Um, but they are coming off that 2-0 win today um, over Villarreal. Um, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo coming in with the late game winning goal Jaden Sancho scoring his first ever goal for United <laughs> like four months into the his career congratulations to him um <laughs> right now Michael Carrick Michael caretaker is going to be a caretaker uh for the club for the time being right now sitting eighth in the Premier League they've only won one of their last six Premier League matches um, but that's not even the word. I mean, there's, there's, you know, we've talked about the injuries. We've seen teams rally around a new manager, uh, you know, time and time again. That's not even the worst part. The worst part, and I'll have Ron explain it. New manager and bitch ass Anthony Taylor refereeing. What do you guys see happening on Sunday? Does big Ron play? Andres? Yeah, I, I expect 
Lukaku to be back for this match. Um, I think the fact that he was still doing, he was dressed for this one and, and that he was, you know, like I mentioned, sprinting after the match, I think that means that he'll be ready. Um, especially since, uh, Kai hasn't been doing much up front on his own as a central player. And, and maybe because again, uh, Pulisic would be facing some beefier center backs and I think Varane is healthy again and, and Lindelof, they're both pretty big, big guys. So, um, I, I hope it's Lukaku and especially since he'll get some revenge as United really their fans and, and, and stuff really humiliated him during his time there. Oh yeah. I forgot Harry Maguire's on a red. I didn't include that on in the script. Yeah, yeah, he's not. That's he's not a positive playing. for us. I heard Chelsea is yeah. uh, protesting the red card. <laughs> if it was, so I mean, sacked and then if, if goes clubbing. he would, if he was playing, he would probably earn a red card, and Anthony Taylor wouldn't give him one. You know, yeah. he'd probably kick one of our players in the nuts again and, and not get a red. Yeah. Well, while he's out of bounds, right in front of the fourth official, next to the tunnel, in between both managers and benches. But it's not a red card, guys. Uh, anyways, yeah, bitch-ass Anthony Taylor. Um, look, we – Tuchel's talked about this before with the last time Anthony Taylor ref the match, and he said basically we're, we're not going to focus on that. We're not going to put ourselves in a position where we're going to leave it up to the referee to influence the match. I think that has to be the mindset going in. Um, I feel good about this. I, I think Lukaku does play. And, you know, I said last week, you know, he's a guy that was out of form when he got hurt. He was obviously very frustrated. We're talking about a top striker playing against his former club coming back from injury. I don't think there's a better situation for Lukaku to come back in, uh, in terms of just pure motivation and drive. Um, so the fact that he didn't play today was a huge bonus. The fact that we didn't need him, obviously, but he's going to play against Man United. You, be- you better believe it. I think him, Mason Mount, um, are definitely going to get in. Um, the question is, who plays on the left-hand side? Uh, is it going to be Cho or is it going to be Pulisic? Take your pick. <laughs> I, hell, even Ziyech, with the way he played, could could possibly earn himself another start. So overall, I feel confident. I think this is a game where, more so than any other match, we cannot give them a single opportunity because if you put Cristiano in the box and give him a shot on goal, it's most likely going in. So if you could limit his touches in the box, that's going to be the key here. If anyone's going to hurt you on Man United, it has to be someone other than Cristiano Ronaldo or Bruno Fernandes for that matter. So that's going to be the key. Um, They don't have a lot of runners in their team. So I think Tuchel's going to definitely be preaching the high press, the energy, the tempo, just like we saw against Leicester and Juve and, I'm going to go 3-0. I think we shut their asses out. I think we walk away with another with another dub. Um, and Lukaku scores against his former club, kisses the badge right in front of the away section. That'd be fucking awesome. I am all for Lukaku doing that. Um, I'm going 2-0. And, and you mentioned pressing. I think specifically the center midfield of United needs to be completely suffocated uh, for us to to really just kill their confidence early on. Fred, McTominay, Donny van de Beek, whichever combination of that double pivot is out there, just kill the kill their hope before it even begins. Mm-hmm. And and from there you'll have a huge disconnect because you know that Bruno's not gonna drop back to come get the ball. Cristiano's for sure not gonna come back and drop for the ball. So if we can separate that back line in the front four I think that we can win this game before before halftime. I want to I want to f- believe that we'll feed off like our form in the last two matches, but the external forces of Anthony Taylor and, you know, Ole being gone, um, you know, and them having a new manager, having more motivation to play now cuz it seemed like at a certain point United's players were playing purposely playing like shit to try to get Ole sacked but um so I think that it's probably going to be 2-1 uh win by us or maybe even 2-2 draw honestly um I know United yeah I mean 
I'll stick with that. But still, I mean, if we're going to be realistic, um, you know, it, I think that there's there's going to be external factors that could control the match. I'll never forget when uh, <laughs> when uh, Anthony Taylor called a foul on Marcus Alonso for getting tackled in the box by uh, Tottenham's keeper. What was his name? No, it was the other no, guy. No, it wasn't Lloris. It oh, was the, 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 the Argentinian guy. guy. Yeah. What was his name? Yeah, yeah, Gazaniga, yeah. yeah. He uh, tackled the shit out of him, and he originally called a foul on Marcus Alonso. I had Kung, to look at VAR to award a penalty. Kung Fu. Never forget that. Spartan kicked him. Yeah, that was, that was the most heinous, terrible call I've ever seen in my whole entire life, but... That's that's the only reason why I think that you know there could be a draw, but who knows? I I I'll 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 go on the record and say two one win. I think the key is just to break their will early because it could be broken. And that's what Andres was alluding to. If we can get an early goal, first twenty twenty five minutes, and not really give them a sniff for the rest of that first half, I think their will is going to be pretty much broken at that point. Um. So yeah, fuck Man United. That's the end of our match preview here, and that's actually the end of our pod today. So if you're uh, not following us on Twitter already, make sure you're doing so at Roman's Empire Pod. Reach out to us, ask us questions for a chance to be featured on the pod. We've have a we have a lot of uh, great rep ultras that have uh, been in touch with us as of late. Um, so shout out to all of you guys. Why not become one of them? Until next podcast, keep the blue flag flying high.